We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'd be extremely hot in New York Jets. I think they'd be title contenders with Aaron Rodgers because I think their defense is that elite. And I think that com- combining that with the fact that I think we need to be real about the Buffalo Bills and Keyshawn has already been that way in terms of it, it's just approaching the point where it looks like a missed opportunity. And Keyshawn in the past has brought up the absence uh, of coordinators and how that could have a profound impact on people. Well, Josh Allen didn't have, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, Dable. He didn't have Ryan Dable there last year. And so we saw a drop-off in his play in terms of consistency. He had great moments, but he had moments where he faltered as well. Tua Tungvaloa's health is a question mark. Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow expected to beat up on each other a little bit. And Deshaun Watson is coming. We know this brother can ball. Last year was struggle because he had just got back after not playing for a year and a half. I expect him to be a lot better this upcoming season. And, of course, Justin Herbert and, of course, Patrick Mahomes in the AFC West. So there's a lot going on. But I think that the Jets would absolutely positively be in the mix because of that defense. If you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers who could fling that football with Brees Hall being able to run the football, I definitely think that the Jets are in the mix as a top four team in the AFC, without question. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC's Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And we're here talking about pre-free agency around the AFC East. But first, Stephen A. Smith to start the show on first take. And thank God we didn't hear him in the clip. Keyshawn Johnson also there with their (laughs) opinions on... Nuance. Guys, always the most nuanced of opinions when it comes to the sport of football. Uh, Stephen A. Smith talking about Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Just what the impact or the perceived impact of that might be among some of the most famous bloviators. Like... Chris, I don't even know what to do about this anymore. It all seems like garbage. We've spent weeks here on the Rock Power Report ear-beating all of you 
about philosophy for the Bills and free agency, talking about our cap situation, looking at prospects we like and ideas that we frankly couldn't give a shit less about. But what about the rest of the AFC East? What's going on in enemy territory around the division and how do their respective situations stack up to our own? And what does it mean for our chances for a fourth straight division title? Considering the rebuilding projects that we watched make a lot of strides in 2022. Well, that's what we're here to dissect tonight. And to kick things off, to represent the New York Jets, we have Mr. Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. Mr. Scott Mason on the horn with us. We're literally talking about the New York Jets and just the crazy pursuit of what? First of all, you guys, you know, we're starting every single show. We talk about the cap space you have available. You guys have negative cap space, and yet here you are, big game hunting for a quarterback. Your biggest needs look to be quarterback, tackle, safety, linebacker. You guys have work to do. You're here tonight. We're talking about the pre-free agency process and what it means for you and your franchise. But I want to start with, first of all, how's your offseason been? And how much do you miss Bar Bill? Ah, uh, dude, for real. Uh, I was just talking to you guys about it. I really want to come back up and go to Bar Bill and Duffs and do a wing run. That is amazing. And I'm hoping that next year when the Jets play the Bills in Buffalo, I can come back because just getting bar, hanging out with you guys, seeing the game is awesome. But just getting a little bar bill and duffs is is worth the price of admission alone. So uh, looking forward to that. But as far as the offseason, I mean, look, it's never a dull moment with the Jets. Never. There's always something, whether it's the, the, the coach they're trying to hire or the GM or there's some other drama. And, of course, this offseason, it's, hey, two years after the team drafted the qu- a quarterback number two overall, and five years after they drafted another one at number three overall, here they are chasing a 40-year-old quarterback to the point where they're flying across the country to kiss his ass on Woody Johnson's private jet, begging him to come save them from the multiple mistakes that they've made and hoping that Aaron Rodgers himself wouldn't be a mistake and that he's still the guy that won the MVP award two years ago and not the guy that we watched last year who couldn't beat the Detroit Lions in the final game of the season to get the Packers into the playoffs. So, yeah, it's been eventful. It's been eventful. It, here's a question, and yeah, it's, I'm going to have some personalized questions for every guest we have tonight. The one I got for you is, is this quarterback drama? You know, because we, we talked at the beginning of the offseason, and you were all excited about Derek Carr, which, Chris, you're not alone, Chris. Derek Carr, Chris is a Derek Carr stan. I'm pretty sure that he would, for, for all of the product that Chris puts in his hair, if Derek Carr asked him to, he would cut his hair like Derek Carr's. No, wow. No, it's too short. No, it's too short. Yeah. Chris, is he or is he not an elite quarterback? He is. He's Okay, so Derek Carr is an elite quarterback. So you you talking about him going to the Jets had Chris's mind going, and now that's not happening. And now you guys are spinning all the other options. People are talking about Lamar. They're talking about whether whether or not you should be chasing that instead of chasing Rodgers. Is this drama starting to wear on the fan base? Like this whole it's starting to wear on it's starting to wear on me, true. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think so. I, I think look, if they end up getting Aaron Rodgers, then everybody will just take a deep breath, and that'll be the end of it. But I, look, this has just been really. It's funny because. I still think Derek Carr was the best option, and for the reasons we already talked about. He lengthens the window. You don't have to trade for him. 
You know that he's going to be here for at least three years. Rodgers gives you one, maybe gives you two. I can't really see a scenario where he's playing after that. I guess it's possible. Who knows? And then you have to deal with the constant drama with him. And, you know, look, if the Jets get him, let's make no mistake about this. Whatever happens this season, unless he's just completely terrible and they just decide to part ways, if he's good and the Jets say make the playoffs, what's going to happen is next offseason, Jets fans are going to have to go through this three-ring circus all over again. But for now, I think really where Jets fans are at is it's Rodgers or bust, I think, because the car is off the table. Uh, the story there is that the Jets could have had Carr. He, he was their first, uh, they were his first choice, but he knew that he wasn't their first choice. And so he basically, that report that came out right before he ended up signing with the Saints was, hey guys, you're my first choice, but if you don't make this choice soon, I'm making it for you. And by the way, Panthers and whatever, so if you want to get in on this, there's a window here. And so the Saints called up. They made their best and final, as they say, in the homeownership business. And they were able to get their car for what I think is a fairly reasonable deal. They say four for 150. It's really a three-year deal for $100 million. The fourth year, he'll never see. Uh, everyone knows that. If he stays beyond the third year, it'll be a new contract. So three for $100 million for Derek Carr is not bad at all. I think reasonably priced. But, but Aaron Rodgers, look, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. I don't think anybody's going to argue otherwise. It's just, like I said, you have to trade for Rodgers. You wouldn't have had to trade for Carr. He's younger. You could have him longer. You don't have to worry about Rodgers. You don't have to worry about Carr being gone after a year, as with, with Rodgers, you do. There's also the possibility that the Jets don't even get Rodgers because, yes, they flew out there to California, and that would indicate that there is a level of confidence there. But it's Aaron Rodgers, and he – dances to the beat of his own drum. So until it's a done deal, we'll have to wait and see. We will be in the dark just as Aaron Rodgers sat in the dark for four days. And this is not, it's not fun. Look, if they end up with Rodgers, everybody will rejoice temporarily at least. But it's it's been annoying. And I don't blame Rodgers. Look, it's his life. It's a big decision for him. And he doesn't take it lightly and he shouldn't. And he knows he has the leverage to take as much time as he wants and do whatever he wants. And look, let's be honest, guys, you know this. These things usually result in a team flying a player out to their facility, towards the facility, they take him out to dinner, the whole wine and dine deal. They flew to California, and it's because Aaron Rodgers is once again asserting who the boss in this situation is. And it ain't the Jets, it's Aaron Rodgers, because let's be real, the Jets are not going to set some sort of deadline for him They've come this far. What do you think they're going to do? Go, listen, Aaron, we've let Derek Carr sign somewhere else, and we don't really have many other options, but you better let us know within 24 hours or else. No, they're going to let this go on for as long as Rodgers wants it to, the same way that it did with Favre. If you remember, it took them three weeks to convince Favre to end up coming to the Jets. So it's a tenuous situation. I think the arrows are pointing towards something probably getting done. But as we know, with Aaron Rodgers, until it's done, Never say never. We're in the dark just like he was. So when you take a look at the Jets' upcoming offseason, right, positions and players that you think, besides quarterback, that the team will most be targeting come Wednesday, like, who, like what are the positions that you think the franchise is probably going to put the biggest onus on 
in terms of trying to get guys in the barn who can come in and contribute right now ahead of the draft? I think you're looking at them dipping their toe in the tackle water. Right now, the tackle situation is very tenuous. They have three tackles under contract. Max Smith, still a fourth-round rookie from last year who missed significant time at the end of the year because of what is thought to be a blood clot issue. So nobody knows exactly what's going on there. Plus, when he played, he had his moments, but he was up and down. But Kai Becton, who was awesome his rookie year when he was healthy, but then he's missed two years in a row, and so you can't count on him. And then you also have under contract under contract Dwayne Brown, who was on injured reserve until October last year, and then he ended up hurting his shoulder playing through the pain and getting surgery in the offseason. He's going to be in his late 30s, so what are you getting out of him necessarily, especially coming off that surgery? You do have Elijah Vera Tucker, who could play tackle if you need him to, but he's better at guard, and he is also coming off of an injury. So I fully expect him to do something in the draft and possibly free agency too. They may do something at center and free agency as well. On the defensive side of the ball, safety and linebacker are the two big positions of need. Uh, the linebackers, other than C.J. Mosley, were very shaky. They have Quincy Williams, who's an internal free agent, very up and down. He's a kid who flashed. He's got ability, but does a lot of things that cause him to, you know, he's got instinct issues, let's say. He's not always in the right place at the right time. He'll miss tackles. He'll over-pursue. So the Jets have to decide, do they think he's still a player that they can help reach a certain ceiling they've set for him, or is he what he's going to be, and they move in another direction? Quan Alexander, also a free agent. So they don't really have much linebacker besides Mosley. At safety, Jordan Whitehead was not very good last year when they brought in from Tampa. And they've got LaMarcus Joyner, who is in his 30s, a free agent, not any good. So they've got to do something at safety, linebacker, and offensive line primarily. And I'm curious to see if they get Rodgers, if that also means that you guys will appreciate this. When Hulk Hogan signed with WCW, in order to placate Hulk Hogan, they had to bring in a bunch of his buddies that he was used to working with in WWE. So in came Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Earthquake and the Honky Tonk Man and Brutus the Barber Beefcake and all these guys, his entourage, so to speak. And it was all to make Hulk Hogan comfortable. Does that happen with Aaron Rodgers? Does Aaron Rodgers signing mean that he's followed by Randall Cobb or he's followed by David Bakhtiari or he's followed by uh, Alan Lazard? I don't know. It could be. So maybe those are guys that they end up signing in free agency, partially because they're abuse and partially because it's what Aaron Rodgers wants. <laughs> Chris, does that sound like a recipe for success? Sounds like success to me. Well, yeah, but he's talking about the think about the wrestling organization he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did that end? Well, if we're being fair about it, Drew, um, he did eventually go out of business, but they had an eighty-three week run where they beat the W where they beat WWE. They were the first company to do that, to beat Vince McMahon, and they did it for almost two years. So if we're following that analogy, beating WWE would be the equivalent of winning a Super Bowl. So if it implodes after a couple of years, but they win a Super Bowl, everything will be fine with it. The question, of course, is if they get Aaron Rodgers, what is the realistic ceiling? And I don't mean they get the playoffs and hey. I'm glad you asked that because the opening to tonight's show was, as we all know, level-headed, nuanced uh, football pundit Stephen A. Smith and Keyshawn Johnson got together 
and decided that if you guys get Aaron Rodgers, it makes you by default one of the four best teams in the AFC. Now make the Packers one of the four best teams in the NFC last year. Look, I think what it would do is it would make the Jets, barring something crazy, I think the Jets would go to the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. I have no question about that. I think it would give them the potential to make a big playoff run. But I also think that you're dealing with the Bills, you're dealing with the Chiefs, you're dealing with the uh, the Chargers, you're dealing with the Bengals, the Ravens, if Lamar Jackson comes back. You've got an ascending Jaguars team. The Dolphins, if Tua stays healthy, are a tough team. So I consider it more of a puncher's chance than anything concrete. And I think that's where my expectations are if the Jets get Rodgers. I think some Jets fans will let their imaginations run wild. But unlike Hulkamania, I'm not willing to do that. I'm being realistic. I think if they get Rodgers, they're a playoff team. And anything beyond that is a bonus. Chris, do you think it's a fair assessment of things? Yes. Scott, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how you navigate these waters every day. Like, for me as a Bills fan, there's nothing going on. We've had no drama this offseason. Like, even the stuff that should be drama isn't because everyone says the right things. All parties involved just kind of, hey, we're here. We're going to wait till see. We're going to wait till the deadline and we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what is what. I feel like the Jets can't help but step into drama. And I feel like like I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> you talk about some of these things. You're usually much more excited yeah. about topics like this, or at least more positive. Oh, and listen, I don't want this to sound, because people are going to hear this and go, oh, well, Scott is upset. Uh, dude, if they get Aaron Rodgers, it would be legitimately the most exciting thing that's happened to them in a really long time. But I also think that a lot of people are getting way out over their skis in terms of what it would actually mean. Uh, There are a lot of questions. I mean, is Aaron Rodgers still that guy from two years ago? Or is he the guy that we saw last year who may be on the decline? And that's a real question. Um, Even if Rodgers is still, you know, at least close to what he was, is that enough to beat the Bills, the Dolphins, the Ravens? You guys have this young wide receiver room that's full of talent that's growing. Look at, like, the damage I think he did in Green Bay to his wide receiver room, where he basically just took the Tom Brady approach and just blamed them for a lot of his own shortcomings. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, ultimately, he could come here and, and help raise their game. Like, maybe Garrett Wilson turns into the next Devontae Adams or something like that because Aaron Rodgers is here. Maybe Elijah Moore gets resurrected because Aaron Rodgers is here. But like you said, there is, of course, the risk of it going the other way, and we just don't know. So with that in mind, what would a winning free agency period look like compared to what would a free agency failure this offseason look like in the eyes of a Jets podcaster? I think, honestly, it all begins and ends with Rodgers at this point. If they get Rodgers, I think everything else is kind of gravy. If they don't, I don't really even know where they turn at that point. It's, you know, it's... it's is a real a, question mark. Is, I think is, they need to add players that, on the O-line and, and a little bit of help at linebacker and safety. And if they can do that in addition to getting Rodgers, then I don't see how that's not a win. But but so if you end up coming away with this with a Jimmy G, where does that rank? Is it like That doesn't move the needle at all for you, does it? 
I mean, it's certainly a big improvement, but look, my worry with Jimmy G, like everybody else, is Jimmy G is always injured. And so, you know, you'd be, the Jets might get off to a nice start, and then you're ultimately in a position where the. You know, the team is six and two and Jimmy G tears his ACL or something. That's that's always going to be in the back of your mind. So he would definitely be a significant upgrade. But the question is, when does the injury happen? And that's the, the worry. He's he's a good quarterback. He's not great. He's certainly not Rodgers. I don't think he's Derek Carr either, but he's good. And he would certainly help, especially with a, a quality roster that the Jets built. But ultimately, the question comes down to, Bill Parcells' old statement, the best ability is availability, and he's shown that that's not been one of his strengths. And if and if you guys spent money, you bolstered your linebacker core, you, you, you actually landed like not one but like two starting offensive linemen, you go out and you find another safety, you find a cornerback, everything looks rosy, and you bring back the same quarterback room from last year, is that deemed a failure? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, and I don't think there's any way that that could happen. I think at this point, the Jets are smart enough to know that they have to do something to bolster that quarterback room. And whether it's Jimmy G or, man, even somebody like Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I would assume, though, that if they don't get Rodgers or Jimmy G, and I think that they will probably get one of the two, but if they don't get Rodgers or Jimmy G, they're just going to start calling around the league and, seeing which quarterbacks are potentially available. Just panhandling for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, actually, it was funny. Brian Bassett had a had a hilarious tweet. He, he, he tweeted out, uh, Brian Bassett, of course, uh, does a podcast with us. Uh, there's always next year. And he did the old Jets podcast, and he tweeted out, now uh, the Jets have put themselves in a position where now it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. And by bust, I mean Zach Wilson. <laughs> Scott. I love the fact that even now, you guys are still kind of like walking this line of this could be cool or this could be a disaster. You guys in New York really just can't ever have fun with this. I I really feel for you. And that's what makes your content interesting (laughs) from an outsider's perspective, especially if you're a petty son of a bitch like me. Where can people find your work and where can they follow you on social media? Playlikeajet.com, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. The podcast is available seven days a week because I don't value sanity, apparently. <laughs> All podcast apps. And you can follow me on Twitter, playlikeajet1. Guys, it's great to be back on the show. I'm glad we're back from hiatus because it's almost like a therapy session when I get a chance to talk to you guys. So, uh, Really glad that uh, we could do this and hopefully more of these offseason shows to come. And so that brings us to the New England Patriots who sit here today with the most cap space in the AFC East, $34.9 million. But they also might have the biggest needs of any team in order to try to get back into what might look like contention. Because depending on what those Jets do with their quarterback position, that could be the thing that puts them over the top. And here to talk to us about it, new father Christian Simonelli. How are you, brother? Hey, Jets. I'm well, thanks. How's dad life? How is it? How is it, sir? Well, it's everything everybody says it would and more. It would be and more. So that that's that, that's what I can. Uh, that's what I know about a month into this thing. She'll be a month old on Thursday. So uh, it's cool, man. It is. We're soaking it up. Everybody says just you know. Next thing you know, they're going to be 
asking you for a car, so Didn't, I'm just taking it, taking it as I can. Did I or did I not just text you a video the other day of my son, oh my, my son, screaming at the top of his lungs, "Leave me alone," <laughs> because I turned <laughs> off Spider Man. <laughs> like, like, Simonelli, when you watch that video, what goes through your head? <laughs> There's the next Buffalo Bills fan of the year. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I go, this kid is going to be in the stands screaming like a maniac at Josh Allen in like his 10th year. Why'd you throw that ball? <laughs> Somebody get this kid a podcast. He's clearly got some animosity to get off his chest. No, no question. That kid is awesome. He is going to be an absolute beast. I'll tell you this embrace what you have with your daughter now because it will change and they yeah. will start to sass you and when they do there's nothing you can do about it you just yep. i mean there are things but you can't like you know what i mean like you're you're the adult now and right. it's almost like you're like well my hands are kind of tied i just have to eat this that there's a small human in my house telling me to go fuck myself <laughs> <laughs> yep uh, the bullet. <laughs> here's the biggest question I have for you. Like you're, you played football. You're not a, you're not, you're not exactly what I would call soft. I, did you cry or not cry? Oh, I cried. Yeah, right. I mean, that, look at, yeah, it, it you know, it, it's, she, she was delivered at five fifty two in the morning. You know, we were up all night. You're tired. You know, I'm on one side of my wife telling her to push and, I'm there and you know, you're looking at your wife, you're looking at the kid halfway out, you're looking at your wife, you're looking at the kid three quarters of the way out, you're looking at your wife, oh my God, the kid's out. Um, and it's just I, it's just an unbelievable range of emotion. And then you cut the cord and it's like, wow, you know, and then you hold her, it's it's crazy. It's, it's just wild. I was fascinated actually though after, which the medical team was kind of like, looking at me a little bit of sideways by the placenta. <laughs> I was like, I took like four pictures of it. I'm looking at it. And then the doctor held up and the doctor's like, you seem pretty interested in So let me dive into this with you and show you exactly where she was and how it worked. And I was like, ah, that's awesome. That's really cool. So I was fascinated by that. But that was after I wiped my tears. I did. I was just like, man, you know, we did this. That's we made awesome, her. brother. Uh, I, yeah, love, it was great. I, I love that for you, man. I really do. And Thank I, you. I'll say this. I'm a guy who... And I, like it, it probably wouldn't shock you to find this out. Like this is how you get to be a person like me. Like I've been around a lot over the course of my life. Like I, I'd say in the last ten years, I can put one, one funeral like that I've actually like gotten emotional at because I'm yep. just dead. Like when people and I say it, I go, "Listen, I'm I'm exhausted at this point. I'm dead inside. I got I, I don't have a whole lot left." <laughs> And right up until, like, my wife delivered my son, I was, like, I had no emotions about it. I was just like, okay, this is the thing we're doing. I understand what's going to happen. And then when they put that kid in your hands, like, that, it just, even me, a cold-hearted prick like me, it just broke me. And I was like, this is, oh, yeah. this is, I, I, waterworks just, I think it was 10 years of fucking just bent up. Oh, my God. I sobbed. I wept. It was awesome. Sure. Sure. I'm yeah, just it was all built that, up. I'm happy that you got that, man. I'm happy that things went well. It seems like everybody's happy and healthy. Ex so far, so good. Thanks. Yep. Except for the New England Patriots. <laughs> They're in trouble. And I, I don't know. Like, So I will say this. 
you're you're going into a free agency period where you guys got cash to spend, and I wonder how much it's giving Patriots fans just based on everything that's going on around the team, the chaos and the offensive side of the ball, all these reports coming out about Mac Jones and the the, the locker room chaos that's happening. I wonder how much it's giving you guys flashbacks to last year, which was kind of a it was an eye opener for Patriots fans. I mean, it, you're talking about a team with no Hall of Fame quarterback. You lost, you know, you, a team that got shellacked by the Bills in the playoffs, and then mm-hmm. you guys went out in free agency and really, like, to the frustration of both fans and Matt Judon, who had the the most hilarious Twitter rampage, <laughs> just reaction to every single free agent signing. The Patriots really struggled to attract free agent talent, and now you guys are going into this cycle where there's some question as to whether or not you guys are even middle of the pack in your own division anymore. Like. Is it kind of feeling like Groundhog Day again? Um, not really. I, I'll tell you, I'll give Matt Judon all the credit in the world. He tried recruiting everybody last off. God bless him. I hope he does the same thing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I last year, the shroud of uncertainty around the offensive coordinator slash uh, offense in general was the biggest thing. And I think that that prohibited the Patriots really from being aggressive and going out and getting people because they were still figuring their way through the coaching staff. And it turned out it was yeah. absolutely an unmitigated disaster. So they went out, they secured Billy OB. Um, Billy brought in some guys. They do have an offensive line coach in Adrian Clem. So we collectively as a, this past nation took a big deep breath and said, okay, great. Now we can actually address the on the field team of players, <laughs> the spots that we need. And the biggest, I think, question people have around here is, you know, yeah, we do have cap space, but the big elephant in the room is Jacoby Myers right now. This is a guy that you drafted, you developed. Is he going to be – are you going to pay him 14 to $16 million annually, which is what it seems like the ballpark he's going to be in? People right away say, well, you paid Aguilar $15.5 million, so why not pay this guy? Yeah, but now you've got to – you know, give this kid a long-term deal. And as weak as the free agent wide receiving market is, you know, this kid is going to cash in because the class is really weak. And typically when the Patriots say to a guy, go out, see what's out there, and then come back to us and we'll have a discussion, we'll match it or we'll, you know, better it, usually that guy's gone. So I don't like that right off the hop. Part of me loves to keep the kid. I wasn't a believer at first. I, I was after this year. The kid balled out. Um, but then there's another half of me that says, well, let's overhaul the position. Let's finally draft and develop at that position and, you know, build the team around Matt Jones with some playmakers and have him develop a rep point in the chemistry. So it would kill me to see Jacoby go, but I got a feeling that he's gone. And then you get into the other questions of tackle, offensive tackle and cornerback, are the other two big, big needs. Mm-hmm. And for some reason around here, Nobody's talking about linebacker being a need, which is mind-boggling to me because we have no one there at all. But for some reason, linebacker is not on the top of the list, and I think that it should be. So well, there's quite a bit of uncertainty, and where these needs are going to be filled is is anyone's guess right now. Well, a couple of years ago, you guys made waves when you stole uh, free agent Stephon Gilmore from the Buffalo Bills. 
Yep. What are the odds that your team is a player for Tremaine Edmonds in this offseason cycle? I never put anything past Bill um, for deals just like that. All of a sudden, he'll he'll come up with he'll come out of the blue with they'll come out of the blue with the deal, and they came out of the gate right away, and they were the first you know most aggressive team after Gilmore, and they got him. Um, I think what Bill recognizes there's a deficiency at a position, and that he is confident in a guy that can fill that void. He'll go after him strong. He did that with Gilmore. Um, He's done it at other positions at wide receiver over the years when he went out and he got Brandon Cooks and he traded for him. Um, he did it with Matt Judon. You know, they needed an outside linebacker. They got him. So I'm, oh God, I mean, I, I would love to get that kid. I mean, every time I come on this podcast, I talk about how I love, you know, he goes sideline to sideline and I love his range and his speed. Um, you guys are at that point now where you're going to have to start paying these guys. You already yep. paid Josh Allen. You know, you're paying Diggs, but... You know, these guys are starting to come up. What do you do? So that's one of the good things about being and putting together a great roster is you eventually you're going to have a bunch of guys you're going to have to pay. But, man, I hope he does. I hope he goes after them. I, I, I really do. I, I think that's really an area of the team that needs a major, major upgrade, and that kid would be it. So in terms of what a winning, a winning free agency period compared to a losing free agency period, everybody goes into this cycle – kind of knowing what they want, what they think is correct, or like, hey, I know that I love player XYZ, or I understand that these are our deficiencies, and these are our, like, well, if we don't make them, we also have some other things the team could do to make me happy. And then there's that end of the pool where you go, we accomplished nothing. I feel like that's how Patriots fans felt last year. I feel like Mm -hmm. after being in on Allen Robinson and not getting him being in on a couple mm-hmm. of other big-name players and offering marquee money and still not coming away with the player. Patriots fans left the last offseason free agency cycle feeling let down, feeling like we failed this free agency period. What would a win this year look like, and what would it take to make you feel like this process was a failure again? The whole sit back and relax and wait for the market to settle itself out and then go in and grab B and C players for me would be the disappointment. And notoriously, that's how they've handled the majority of their free agency over the years, with the exception of the years where they went out and they got, again, a Stefan Gilmore, where they went out and they, and day one, they, they grabbed the Dalius Thomas, uh, you know, in the 2000, for the 2007 uh, offseason when they were very, very aggressive. When they got Roosevelt Colvin in 2003, they were right there, boom. They won a free agency at the time. Roosevelt Colvin was like the number one free agent. And they went out and they paid big money and they got him. I love when they're aggressive like that. You know, Bill, in a lot of areas, got questioned when he went out and grabbed Gilmore. Why, are you going to pay a cornerback all that money? You're going to give him that much annually? Mm-hmm. Bill was actually kind of ahead of the curve on that when you look back on it. Yep. So. I think that's still when he had his fastball. I'm not sure that he has that fastball anymore. I, 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 you know, I think with the exception of two off seasons ago where they had a ton of money and they went out and quite frankly, look, they had to spend the money because they were so bad at drafting. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. They had to go out and they had to pay people and they needed players and they got players and they got 10 wins. They went from uh, seven wins the year before with 10 wins with a rookie quarterback. So, you know, it worked at least for a year. Did it work the second year? Eh, not so much. I mean, it, it, 
you know, you kind of see the cream rising to the top here, and it looks like really the only guy that you could really count on that was any significant of an impact on defense was Judon, and on offense, I guess you could say Hunter Henry, but the rest, everybody else that they spent money on, eh, it makes results, really. So I love when they're aggressive. I hope Bill does have a target in mind to go out day one and make an aggressive offer and be the first at the table and, and get some players to help this team. For me, that's the win. The loss would be, again, wait for that first wave of free agents to go by and then pick up the scraps. I, they're just, you know, that never, ever uh, leads to really, leads to any impact players. It's really just more depth pieces than anything. I want to know what your reaction would be if after all these years and everything that's gone on, Chris, his old intro to the show. Oh, yeah. Which we could still dredge up and play for everybody if they want to hear it. <laughs> if they were to bring back Marcus Cannon for one last ride. <laughs> 35 year old Marcus Cannon. I think my head would explode. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you this. I am encouraged because the scuttlebutt, the word, the rumors have been that a certain former offensive line coach has been advising the Patriots on getting back to their uh, traditional blocking scheme. You br- you and- get Dr. Skarnecki the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get him the hell out. Uh, that's right. Our boy's back. So, uh so I'm hopeful with that, man. I mean, that you know, if that ha- if that's going on, I'll take Cannon for a year. Sure, if I get Scar in the back end to help out, that's fine. God, Chris, could that or could that not be the biggest development of the entire Patriots offseason? Yeah, might be more important than anything they do in free agency. Just resurrect the corpse of Dante Scarnecchia. Get him in here. <laughs> He's like the crypt keeper. He just pops in, ruins everybody's good time. The guy's the best. He's in his 70s. He used to run sprints. He used to outrun the linemen and everything. The guy's he's a Mickey. beast. He's great. He's, he's Mickey from oh, Rocky yeah, totally at this Mickey. point. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Christian, I love you. I love that we get to get, get to get together and have these types of conversations. I, I wish nothing but the best for you, the family, the wife, the kid. Where can people follow you on social media as we enter this free agency period? I appreciate that, boys. Right back at you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris with a T I A N and uh, give you a follow back. Uh, I'm usually at one of my best uh, points in the year during free agency with the uh, snarkiness of who signs and you know who goes elsewhere, and whatnot. So I'm a good follow. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Now, strap in. I got to open a fresh one for this as we move on to the Miami Dolphins, who, in terms of cap space today, stand at kind of like the Bills. They stand at negative sixteen point six million, which can change very rapidly depending on the moves you want to make and what the kind of space their GM wants to create. Here to talk to us about some pre-free agency strategy and just what's going on with Miami ahead of next week's deadline. As always, Mr. Elf Artiaga. Elf, how's the offseat you treat, treating you so far? Correction. We are only minus 3.7 million as of right now because we just fired Byron Jones into the sun. <laughs> I see how fast life comes at you. Nothing. Yeah. The ink wasn't even dry on my podcast notes, and here we go. But we, first of all, did anyone not see that coming? I mean, I probably should have. Did he retire? Like, has he made a choice? Well, he's not retiring because then um, it's it's a it's a whole gobbledygook. But I we explained it on the podcast. Uh, the Dolphins really weren't going to go the litigious route. But if he did retire, Dolphins had every single right to go recoup four point two million dollars in actual cash. So naturally, he put out through his agent. Oh no, we're not retiring. And then the Dolphins said, "Well, you're not retiring. We're cutting you." <laughs> But but they're cutting them. They're cutting him with a June first designation. So uh, for those of you that are checking your bingo cards for for March fifteenth or what is it? March fourteenth is when this whole thing kicks off. Yeah. If you're checking that bingo card, the Dolphins do not have that cap space for then. They will have it for June first, which means mm-hmm. they'll have it to sign mm-hmm. their their rookie class and whoever shakes loose pre-training camp mm-hmm. so um they're gonna be they're gonna be compliant with the cap because they made this move with byron jones mm-hmm. but they can't use that cap space right away so they got to make a few other moves namely some extensions and restructures well see and that's and the, chris these are the nuances and this is why the off season, like if you're just for the lay nfl fan is so frustrating right you hear things you go well that guy's cut i have money now and then some smart guy with a calculator goes, you know, Oscar from the office sweeps in and goes, well, actually, what well, what happens is the money gets shuffled to this date and you're a loser because you don't understand NFL math. It's it's frustrating to be a hard drinking NFL fan who doesn't get this stuff. That's why I like yeah. having these conversations. Now, I have a question for you, but before because we're kind of starting with a thematic question for the top of every one of these conversations. But first, there's two things we got to address. They're both very recent. First of all, at the top of the show, we talked to our Jets guest about the Aaron Rodgers, the Jets' pursuit of him, the fact that it's looking more likely like he might be the option, and the fact that there are certain bloviators out there who believe that it immediately makes the Dolphins or the Jets a top-four team in the AFC. If that's true, then who are the top-four, Elf? It does not make them a top-four team. It does make them a top seven team. Okay. You know, will That's they accept fair, that? Right? Yeah. Let's Is that say. good enough? Is that good enough for the Jets or no? I, Chris, did that make sense, right? They'd probably be top 10. Yeah. Like if we're talking about, what, 16 teams? Yeah. I could see them being in the top 10. They flirted with it at times this season with no consistency at quarterback. But to say that it makes them better, not knowing the actual quality of that coaching staff to be like, hey, even if you turn them loose with a guy like this, are, I've seen what Hackett is. Don't talk to me about that. Oh, well, if you, you pair Nate Hackett and Aaron Rodgers together, they're going to make magic. Hackett has shown us all his ass. 
I don't want to hear any more about him ever again. You better be, you better hope you can hide him on your coaching staff and have me not notice. That's the way that goes. Um, I don't know. I just, the whole thing was funny to me. And then also, the fact that Aaron Rodgers going there, I tweeted out a video, uh, cause you, you said yourself, you said really what the Jets should be doing is pursuing Lamar Jackson. Like if they're trying that to make sense, if they're trying to save their jobs, if Joe Douglas is like, Hey, I'm one bad quarterback decision away from maybe losing my job or this coach might just, you know what I mean? Like this whole thing can go wrong if they can't find a way to put the right quarterback in charge of this offense. The smart money would be on the quarterback with at least four to five, six years of upside, right? Absolutely. Like Lamar Jackson is what makes sense for the jets and he will be the right age, right? One hundred percent, and that's why I was like, Shh, "Elf, be quiet." You know, we, we we as Bills fans would love the chance to just put the boots to another aged, washed up Green Bay quarterback. And let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is not going to go there anyway. Um, you know, Mister the poster boy for being anti vaccination is going to go and play for the Johnson and Johnson air. You know, and then we know he loves his money. And let's yeah. face it, he's going to go to New York and have half of it taken away. Yeah. You know, and this is a lot. And it's $59 million he, that's due to him. Uh, no. I, I, I find it very, very interesting, the whole dynamic here and the thing. But I do love the fact that you pointed out. You were like, well, wait a minute. You guys weren't the ones who ended Favre's career. It was us. And I'm like, look at the two of us just out here dunking on <laughs> shitty, washed-up quarterbacks. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Oh, what a what a what a day that was! And those three interceptions on that day, clinching the division title. That was that was fun. I just what was not fun was the the beatdown the the Baltimore Ravens gave us the the following week. That well, I I just remember the very first pass of his game. Are you know he's he's lining up. The, the announcers are still talking about how oh, this team can be really dangerous if they get going again. They can get back to their playoff form. He drops back to throw his first pass of the game, and Arthur Moach just comes screaming in from behind and shatters, breaks him in half. <laughs> and it's like, oh, shit, that's what happens, buddy. That's what happens when you hang on for too long. That brings me to my next point. So now, as you've kind of let in with, the Tua thing has kind of been put to rest again. Because my first question was leading into today was going to be, why the hell are we still talking about Tua? Uh, the, the, the Rogers and Lamar and everybody, every quarterback, everybody wants to prognosticate to the Dolphins. Even after Tua had, besides his concussions and the other stuff, a decent season that kind of illustrates like this could be the thing that you were building towards. But then the Brady stuff came up. Like, can we agree that none of this is happening in the AFC East? Like, Tom Brady is not coming back here, correct? No, uh, Tom Brady is retired. He's gone. Uh, eventually, maybe he gets into ownership when he gets his three hundred and forty million from Fox. Is it? Is it from Fox or CBS or whoever is going to pay him three hundred and forty million dollars to talk into a microphone? Fox. Fox. So when he gets that money, yeah, he might buy into the Dolphins a little bit. Maybe, maybe he owns you know ten twenty percent. But that's about it. Uh, as far as playing, I don't think he's playing again. And if you saw him play it toward the end of, of last season, this is not a guy that looked right. <laughs> he looks okay. old. He looks he old lo- because he's an old man. <laughs> he looked like a 46 year old that couldn't throw anymore. No, and I've, I've got that's an just an, what it is. Oh, and everyone kept asking me at work. They were like, oh, what do you think? What if Brady comes back and he goes to the Dolphins? What if Brady comes? You know, I, I interacted with some people on Twitter recently who were like, oh, man, if he goes to the Dolphins, how do you stop that offense? 
And I have an analogy for Tom Brady coming back, especially here in the AFC East. With the way it's constructed now, Josh Allen, the Bills have already humbled, right? We've already humbled the Patriots. We kind of showed them, like, look, you guys are done. Bill, check your time's over. We put you to bed. We never got that signature win over Tom Brady yet. There's a movie. It's a shit movie, but I enjoy it. It's called Green Street Hooligans. And in it, there's a guy, it's Charlie Hunnam plays this guy who's running like a local, you know, an English firm, a soccer, gang of soccer hooligans, basically. Yeah, I've seen the movie. Okay. Good movie. So the major, the guy turns out to be Charlie Hunnam's older brother who used to be the, like the head of the firm. And everyone talks about what a badass this guy was and how he, oh yeah, back when he was here, this was, well then, he decides to come back to the bar for one night. He goes, you know what? I'm going to go back to see the old gang, and I got to go in here and squash some stuff and whatever. And he immediately gets stabbed in the neck. And I say to myself, I go, that's what I want for Tom Brady. I need you to come back to the bar, Tom. I need you to come back here for my own sake, just so I can watch a team like, like so I can watch a Josh Allen-led offense just put the boots to your team once. Just one time. I, I just, I need it. And if you, if you give it to me, I'll be the happiest person on earth. Yeah, uh, although you know, not 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 that we we got over on him all that great, but we did have some some signature wins against the, the, those Patriot teams. Yes, you did. Yes, you, you did. I, I'll... Including including a win against them in his last regular season game in a Patriots uniform. Dude, that'll go down. One of my Ryan Fitzpatrick leading that <laughs> leading that win was one, and it put him in the wild card round. And I called the loss to Tennessee before it even happened. I was like, there it is. You know why? Because I remember the last wild card game, Baltimore Ravens, and they were the same type of team as Tennessee. And sure enough, they got the shit kicked out of them. So yeah, the 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 Patriots got busted down from the one seed that day, <laughs> all the way down to like the three seed or four seed or something like that. So it was awesome. So now talking about the Dolphins, what are some positions that as you guys look at with your kind of the, the cap gymnastics you guys are going to have to do to get into the free agency pool? Obviously, you'll make some moves to clear some space so that you can make some tweaks and some. Are you guys? But you don't see the team going big game hunting, or are you thinking more small moves? You know, after last summer's kind of spending spree. As far as big game hunting, if the right player presents itself, yeah, but it has to be at the right position, mm-hmm. namely right tackle. So well, I was going to ask, what what are your positions of need? Because I know, like, if you were to look, prognosticators will tell you it's. You know, it's tight end, it's wide receiver, it's going to be, you know, maybe some extra defensive back help. Yeah, they want the right tight end for this system. It's obvious that they're not going to resign Mike Kosecki. And that was obvious from like week four. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, uh, you know, our coach is not the kind that, you know, he was, he's not Brian Flores. Like he's not going to get out there and start ripping players to the media. But his way of ripping players to the media is where you play a playoff game against the Buffalo Bills and Mike Kosecki plays like 35% of the snaps. Like that's kind of a dead giveaway mm. that he's on the way out. So I think a tight end is obviously in the cards. A right tackle is in the cards. And I think they need some secondary help. And, you know, not not to, you know, I know this is a Buffalo Bills podcast, but, you know, he kind of lives here. He went on a podcast. All he does is talk about playing golf with Tua. He actually did play golf with Tua, by the way, after he attended his birthday party. Somebody like Jordan Poyer is perfect to transition this defense from what it was to what it will be going forward. No, I uh, it, it, and that's a thing that's been teased all offseason. And to be honest, it would it would frustrate me to see, but also it wouldn't come as a shock 
given his familiarity with the, some of the players on the team, the fact that he's lives in Florida, um, just, just the concept that Buffalo didn't try to keep him. The fact that Buffalo didn't make an offer to him, he's going to hit the market and he's going to sign somewhere other than Buffalo. I think that Buffalo has a recognition that we can't keep paying two safeties over the age of 30 and not trying to build some depth there, some young depth on a cost controlled basis. So I think that's something that Buffalo is going to try to address through the draft and maybe some flyers, cheap flyers and free agency, kind of like what Poyer was in his, you know, when he first signed here. You know, an average starter money, and then prove to me that you know, what we're you know, reading in the tea leaves of your development might be true, and you might be able to grow into a star strong safety, or at least a very good one. With that said, I would it would kill me to watch him playing for your team, but at the same time, it would be a fit, and that makes a lot of sense. Are there any other specific players that you're either personally attracted to or you think that the team probably will try to pursue? Uh, I think that this is there's a strong possibility that they will pursue this guy, but he's uh, he plays for the Raiders. Um, he's their 12 personnel tight end, and that's Foster Moreau. Yes, I think I'm he's very familiar he, with him out of LSU. He's a really really nice player. He fits the system. He's a good yak guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's enough tape of him that you could turn on and look at, and you could start projecting forward and think, you know what, this guy could be a very useful tight end. I don't think he's George Kittle, but you know who is. No, but he's. So. But but you know what Foster Moreau is. You know because I've actually you know we're, we're going to release another podcast this week about free agency picks, and Foster Moreau was a guy that I flirted with the idea of for the Bills because I know our tight end room needs help, but at the same time I think he's going to cost just a little bit more than our franchise wants to pay, but he he deserves that because when you look at what he did, he played for this Raiders team where Darren Waller has kind of been fragile the last year or two. Like he's missed some time and he missed significant time last year. And even with that, Foster Moreau found a way to kind of buoy the tight end production of that team. He was still an impact player. So he could, now that they've already, you know, they've got too much money invested in Waller to go out and pay another tight end. I don't, he, he doesn't stay with the Raiders. A tight end needy team with a, like you guys have an offense that kind of, is built to flow with tight ends. It would be an investment that I think it wouldn't be wasted money. You know, it's not like the, we're talking about the New England Patriots and Johnny Smith here. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah, that was a disaster. Nothing makes yeah. me happy. Chris, I love to bring up the Johnny Smith contract any opportunity I can. I would to be too. fair, Hunter Henry's been a disaster too. That's they both were. What the fuck were you thinking? They're like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna artificially recreate the heyday of our two tight end system. You know how by bringing in subpar like John Smith, no one would call you subpar athletes, right? They were athletic specimens. One guy's injury prone. One guy, I don't know. How do you even explain what happened to John Smith? Short of the like the monsters. From Space Jam just showed up and stole his mojo. <laughs> like, how do you explain yeah, what the fuck happened to that guy? Yeah. Foster Moreau should be, you know, he's such a good fit, especially for this system. And you could see how the offense as designed by Mike McDaniel could start to pay a little bit more dividends. Cause I thought last year, man, Mike Kaseki should should eat so much in this offense with with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill occupying the outside. And it turned out that he was actually the decoy holding people so Ty- so Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle can get those big numbers, right? Yeah. 
So, and then when he was presented with big opportunities, people forget because uh, all they remember is, oh, Tua was bad in San Francisco. We were driving to try to win that game, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who oh, dropped I, the pass on fourth and three? <laughs> I, I, well, I, I remember thinking to myself, well, it's crazy to throw it, right? It's crazy to call that play. But then I'm thinking about it, and I go, it's not crazy because you're trying to win the game, but it's crazy to throw it to that guy. <laughs> it's crazy to make that guy the focal point of a must-have play. It it just it, it astounded. No, me. and then the and then the the icing on the cake was in Buffalo for the playoffs. Walk hard round. Mike Kosecki gets thrown the only great pass that Skylar Thompson has thrown all season, <laughs> and it hits him right in the face mask. And <laughs> who knows? Maybe he goes the distance with that pass. I you remember know? holding my breath while that thing was in the air, just being like, "Oh my god, it's happening!" Oh, thank God. Oh. So as we wrap this, Elf. You know, we kind of understand some of the places you think they might devote some of their attention, the offensive line, specifically right tackle. You know, they, they hit last year. Does, you know, the Toronto Armstead thing, the acquisition that paid dividends this season. Obviously, it's a no brainer to say, hey, we need a better offensive line to protect our quarterback because this guy can't keep getting rattled. We need to invest in offensive linemen who actually matter. To you, I need to know what would a winning free agency period look like? And what would a losing, like a free agency failure, look like in your eyes? A free agency failure is making it to to draft day, and you need a tackle, a tight end, and secondary help. That would be, you know, that that's a complete failure. I think you could you could get if you could get two of those in free agency squared away, then that gives you a little freedom for draft day. For those days in the draft, it's to start looking for maybe you could find your running back, you know, in the in the third or fourth round that can that can, you know, boost the, the room because as of right now they have no running backs on the contract by the way, the <laughs> but they intend and this is their intention and the players have come out, uh, you know, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert came out and say yeah we expect to be back, well you know you haven't signed yet you know. <laughs> But it's every indication is that they're just going to bring back the entire room. So Raheem Mostert, okay. Jeff Wilson, Savon Ahmed, they're coming back. How about okay, Chase, how about Chase is Edmonds? The, uh, no, he's he's <laughs> going to stay in Denver for the time being. Okay. Forever. Forever but, as far as so, anyone else is concerned. So they're going to bring those guys back. And I would say that they something minor maybe, maybe a Jarek McKinnon, if they don't bring back one of those guys. Or they just go into the draft and take a guy in the fourth round and then and just call it a day on the running back room, and I'd be just fine with that. But it's also important. Uh, they have to go get their their quarterback, their their backup quarterback for, for Tua Tungo-Vailoa. You know, my favorites are – and I know this is going to sound so weird because nobody on earth has ever said that their favorite is Andy Dalton. But I kind of like Andy Dalton. And Taylor, Taylor Heineke, like, like he kind of – he has that look of a guy that can come in – in a pinch and win you a game or two. So your recent podcast, your two on three shows, I want you to talk about that a little bit because in a recent one, which I will put in the, in the show's description tonight for anybody who wants to go listen to it. There's been a lot of talk about Ed Oliver potentially being traded and all the reasons why that's a good idea in order to salvage some of the bills cap issues and also pave the way for us to retain some talent, to go out and find some talent. And you think you have one pegged in the draft for us. Why don't you talk about that just a little bit and then also tell everybody where they can find your draft content because this is the type of stuff that I think is accessible to everybody, not just Dolphins fans. 
Yeah, we, uh, we of course, we're a member of, a proud member of the Five Reasons Sports Network. But on our feed, on our three yards per carry feed, we also carry the, the extra yard, which has a local talk show host, Alex Dono, who heads that, with former Dolphin Troy Stratford. He's on our feed. And also on that, we do our two-on-through YPC series, which uh, I do with Simon. Simon's, you know, researched all these all these prospects up and down. We got them pegged, and we do 15 minutes on each one of these guys. And you know, hopefully by the by the end of this uh, this draft season and the start of the draft, we will have a library of actual scouting reports on all these players that we think are kind of relevant. On this last one, we did one on Luke Musgrave, tight end. Uh, I don't think he's a fit for Miami. He's a Mike Gusecki clone, mm-hmm. although he might be a really nice fit for the Buffalo Bills. <clears throat> and we did one on defensive tackle Kalaja Kansi. Now, here's the good news. The good news is that he's a fabulous player. He's a perfect fit in Buffalo for your system. He's also a, I would say, an Ed Oliver clone. Of course, he'll come with a rookie contract, which is cheaper. Now the bad news. The bad news is that he just went into the combine, and he had one of the most spectacular combines in the history of the sport. So I guess we, we kind of nailed it with that one, right? Like we, yeah. we thought he'd be good. We did we did hit, we did him on the, on the show because we thought he'd be like a second rounder or maybe possibly even a third rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna test that first round, I think, because. Guys that that are six, you know, six one, two hundred and eighty pounds, and run four six flat. Yeah, that's like not normal, <laughs> guys. <laughs> you know, and this is the beauty of this, guys. You want to go hear their, you want to go hear their show on him, because here's the problem with the Bills: they love spending first round picks on linemen when they have other issues elsewhere. Nothing makes Sean McDermott and company happier. Elf, I love having you join us for these kind of things. We're going to get in touch after free agency and do an around, you know, kind of an around the horn style show once all the dust is settled. But for tonight, we got to let you go. Where can everybody find your work and where can they follow you on social media? Holy shit, that was rough. Well, we had lost Alf twice during that conversation, but hopefully none of you noticed. So go follow Alf on Twitter at Alf underscore Artiaga or. The podcast account, the number three yards per carry. Alf Arteaga, Christian Simonelli, Scott Mason. It's like uh, the House of Black. What? First of all, that's offensive. Second of all. I mean, yeah, it could be considered offensive if you're Kendrick Perkins. Stop it. Here's, Here's what I know. These names have gotten absurd. Chris... There's no way there's a thing called the House of Black. Like, what is that? I'm picturing a haunted house, not a group of wrestlers. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's the House of Black with three white guys led by somebody from, I think he's from Scotland. I just, and then he's got an American and then an, uh, Australian in the group. I just find this whole thing stupid. Like back in the day when I actually gave a shit about wrestling, they're the champs. They had tough. They had tough names. The acolytes, right? Men on a mission. The nation of domination. Like you knew who those guys were. (laughs) We are the nation of domination. Rocky Maivia. Who else? Who else was in that? Farouk. Crush. D. 
D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown was a bad man. I Mark, love that. Mark Henry. The Frog Splash. The I actually, Godfather. I remember fracturing my ribs as a kid, trying to give one of my friends the Frog Splash. Dude, that sucked. Yeah. That's why he wore that chest protector to the ring. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's stupid. Like, names have now become, like, structures. Like, we've, we're so run out of creative things, we're going to start calling them, like, the House of Black. And next thing you know, they're going to be like, the Orange Boutique and the uh, the what else? The uh, the Red Gazebo. And it's going to be a bunch of dudes wearing red leather pants. No one's afraid of you. I, I'll, I'll, you show me a guy who's part of the Red Gazebo in wrestling, I'll slap you in the face in the middle of a mall and just let you, do what you, let, me let you do what you want with that. So we've already dissected. For, you know, we've talked about the Dolphins, the Jets, the Patriots. We've already talked about the Bills, how they're approaching free agency. And now we have an idea of how some of our divisional foes are looking at things. I think it's worth taking a look at what some of the biggest storylines among recent AFC contenders might be. You know, the big news today was the the non-exclusive tag being applied to Lamar Jackson by the Ravens, right? It might be the biggest storyline in the whole AFC right now. That's confirmed? That's what it is? Yep. Because I saw a statement from the team that said that... They tagged him. They tagged him. They didn't mention anything I know, about so exclusive I saw it from the NFLPA. I saw it from the NFLPA, which gives him the ability to negotiate with other teams. And if he reaches a deal and they don't want to match, they get two first-round picks. Now, here's what I'll say. Where that goes has the ability to shape what happens in the conference, don't you think? Yes. If he ends up in a play, like Atlanta has already come out and said that he they're not interested. There's NFC teams that should be interested. Like you're hoping that that's where this goes. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, for the Jets, as Elf and I were joking about earlier, that's a no. It would almost seem like a no brainer. At the same time, if they choose not to make a move like that, then you're also looking at. I don't know who else, Chris. Who else in the conference needs a quarterback, or is a quarterback away from contending? Oh God, I don't. Like, who do you think? I can't think of that. There's a handful of teams that are kind of in the middle. You know, like the Colts were good for a hot second until their whole quarterback situation went to shit. No, because the rest of the if you're talking about an AFC team, it's not it because the AFC has all of the quarterbacks. Well, that's it. It's it's quickly becoming an arms race. And you as a bottom team or a middling team who can't seem to get over the hump might be better off trying to get a Lamar Jackson than you are. You know. But I've also heard about the Lions being interested and why it would make sense for them to get him. There's all kinds of teams that would want a quarterback in his prime at that age to get him as a franchise quarterback. Why do you think Baltimore doesn't like him? Uh, I... It's the money that he wants. Okay, it, so that's what we're in It all stems from... Deshaun Watson. Exactly. Like, again, the Browns just fucking things up for everybody. And realistically, what is that team without Lamar Jackson? Trash. There's no way that, what, Tyler Huntley? Oh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pro bowler Tyler Huntley. Let me correct myself. What a fucking joke. Two and two with, like, more interceptions than touchdowns? He's a pro bowler? <laughs> Just based on the cap number, right? They've got their starting quarter cornerback, three of their defensive ends, a starting right tackle and guard, and a bunch of wide receivers all hitting the market. 
right now, you look at their cap situation. They, if they paid Lamar Jackson what he was looking for, just because right, you know they don't have that. You know, he reached his fifth year option here. Now, whatever they sign him to kicks in right now. You could maybe try to game it to push some of the cap hits down the road, but realistically, it's going to preclude you from making a lot of the choice. Chris, that that team, the reason that they haven't done better is because they're an incomplete team, right? They just don't have enough help at key positions. That's why they keep falling short every year in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson, I could see a case being made for the team trying to shop him for two picks, saving that cap space, making the best roster possible, and drafting Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or another rookie quarterback with one of these first-round picks or both that they package up and weaponize in the draft. I don't know. Do, what do you think the Ravens should do if you had if you well, had if, to call it? If uh, AR-15 is available in the draft... AR-15? Is that that what they're calling him? No, that was his nickname in college, and then he, because of all the mass shootings, he didn't want to be called AR-15. Well, yeah, that's not our fault. That's not our fault. You chose to wear 15, and then the nickname was right there, so you're AR-15. So if they want to go get AR-15 in the draft, they can do that. What did they used to call, uh, what was the guy we drafted in like the fourth round that everyone thought, they called him Shotgun or something, 12-gauge? Oh, yeah, um... God, what's his from uh, Ohio? The Ohio State. Call, call in if you know the Ohio State quarterback. Call in if you know the Ohio State quarterback. That, I can't think of it right now. I'm gonna. I, I I'm can't. Gonna have to give it a Google. Ridiculous blank. You look at that. That's probably the biggest storyline. I think that then you got to look at these teams that have been contenders that are going to continue to shed talent at a time when people are like, you're, if you're a team like the Bills, you're trying to keep float and keep pace with your conference opponents. Then you look at the Titans. The Titans are just like, they're in a tailspin and this one shouldn't be a surprise, but it is three consecutive playoff years, back to back division titles. Chris, are you surprised? Cardale Jones. Cardale Jones. (laughs) Uh, Are you national champion though? I believe. Sounds about right. Beat Alabama. I know that. He plays for the Massachusetts Pirates. That sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right. I don't even know what that is. No, they play in the indoor football league. Great. Chris, are you surprised to see the Titans are just taking a flamethrower to their entire roster? No, not at all. all right. Left tackle, wide receiver three, defensive end one, middle linebacker one, kicker, probably quarterback. Their star running back is being shopped as a trade bait. Like... I guess it shouldn't come as a shock considering their GM wasn't like he wasn't one of those guys who just was allowed to play out the string at the end of a disappointing season gets let go kind of just like us unceremonious lesson where they were, that guy was axed like he was fired with what do they call that with prejudice like <laughs> extreme prejudice he was axed and it came right on the heels of a game where the wide receiver he traded away AJ Brown that he didn't think was worth wide receiver one money, showed up and just destroyed their football team. And just like proceeded to just show off as wide receiver one material for the 2022 season. It's a fireable offense, Chris, isn't it? Yeah. Trade a guy like that, and then what? Like, you watch him show off for a team that goes to the Super Bowl? That You can't trust a guy whose talent, like, evaluation skills are that bad, correct? Yeah. 
Now, the tie-in for Buffalo. Everyone, like the Bills are third, I believe, in betting odds right now to be the team that trades for Derrick Henry. What do you think about that idea? No. Okay, so you're with me. No. No running backs. No. It's like the opposite of draft day, where like he walks around with that note in his pocket. He's just like, whatever the fuck that linebacker's name is, no matter what. Yeah, how about this? No running backs, no matter what. I don't care how, I don't care where, I don't care where they come from, it's the draft or nothing. Do not add anything in free agency at the running back position. Because you've already proven that you as a franchise can't handle that. And then I look at the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl with a depleted roster from previous seasons. But if anybody thought that that, reason, that was going to change, look. Look at wide receiver Juju and Hardman, both free agents. They were forced to trade Tyreek Hill in the 2022 offseason. They're depleted again going into 2023. They traded a first and change two years ago to Baltimore for left tackle Orlando Brown. But now they're going to let him test the market just two years afterwards, along with their starting right tackle, Andrew Wiley. Frank Clark is going to get released. <laughs> like Derek Noddy, Kalen Saunders, a defensive tackle, uh, Carlos Dunlap, a defensive end. They're all going to be available on the market. Safety Juan Thornhill. It's a guy who's been one of the backbones of the Chiefs secondary. He's also being allowed to test the market. All of the experience, Chris, because like literally last year, they were one of the youngest rosters and certainly one of the youngest defenses in the entire NFL, and they won a Super Bowl. And now they're going to hemorrhage even more veteran talent and just let these guys go test the market. How much do you think winning that second Super Bowl with, you know, in four to five years played a role in their team deciding that this was going to be the year they just let everybody walk, bite the bullet, and start to rebuild their cap situation. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, you could picture a world where the Bills did that, right? Yeah. If we won a Super Bowl next year, they probably make a lot of cutthroat decisions that fans would be like, still basking in the glow of that one Lombardi that we wouldn't question it, right? Yeah, plus everything's fine as long as we have Josh Allen. People have talked about Mecole Hardman in a Bills uniform. This is a guy who, little, small receiver, he's fast, he's a special teamer, spent most of last year's hurt, but all the cover one guys like the uh, prospect of it. What do you think about that? Another small receiver that doesn't have a defined role in the offense? No, isn't Shakir a small wide receiver? Yeah. We have one, we don't need that. Well, this is it. Plus Shakir's on a rookie deal, so... Yeah. Cost controlled right there. Also, a guy who was hurt all last season? Like, I don't know. I'm willing to take some risk, but I feel like this is unnecessary. I feel like whatever you're paying him, you can just miss that. And then you get the Bengals. The Bengals are one of the teams that has money to spend. I mean, if I go right now and I look at, let's see, NFL salary cap. NFL salary cap. They're probably the contender quote-unquote, from last season with the most cap space. They are like no, they have like $35 million to work with. And you look at the roster, I don't know who all that, like I don't know how many players they have under contract with that. But it seems like they've got a pretty good spread, right? Like they're still in that territory where they haven't paid Joe Burrow yet. So realistically, he still only accounts for like 5% of their cap. They're in that window where if anybody else, they can spend more money than everyone else. 
there's talk about Joe Mixon being cut because his dead cap is like Chris Joe Mixon. He's gonna get cut, correct? Yeah, he should. Like twelve million, five million dead money. That's an easy way for them to improve that because he hasn't been great in a year and a half. They're gonna be able to make moves to keep most of that together, and probably take a second bite at the apple in terms of fixing that offensive line. Like against the Bills, that offensive line looked like a world beater. Against the Chiefs, that offensive line was the reason they lost the game. I, I'm sure that they will be heavily involved in looking for a right tackle. In because you, know, you look at who they have, they have Jonah Williams who stinks. He, you can't cut him though because his dead money number is the same as his, his salary. You've got uh, what Lyle Collins who he got hurt. Who knows whether he's ready or not for the start of the season. You have no idea. They're going to be active in some of these markets to bolster their weaknesses, to make up for some of these things. And I think they'll try to retain their own. They'll try to put a deal together for Joe Burrow. There's going to be a lot of things coming for the Bengals. So I think that some of that cap space they have. But, Chris, they're probably the one in the end, like more so than the Bills, more so than any other contender in the AFC right now. They're the ones who are set up the best ahead of this free agency period, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Sounds about right. No major question to wide receiver. No major question to quarterback. All the major positions that you would be paying someone the most amount of your cap, your tackle, your quarterback, a wide receiver. Yeah. That's where all of our money's at right now. Yep. And we got to find a way to break that up and remake what we are just so we can keep pace with these guys. You know? What do they say? You're not. In order to be the man, you got to beat the man? Correct. Well, we've now been spanked by two teams. There's two teams in the entire AFC who've been able to hand us our teeth, just just hand it to us in the postseason. It's been the Chiefs, and it's been the fucking, these dickheads, the Bengals. God. When is it, when, Chris, is a sinkhole just going to open up and take that place? Uh, I mean, that would be a great idea. <laughs> no, I don't hate the people. I just hate that football team. Guys, it's going to be interesting to see how the Bills make out compared to our other conference contenders, how we stack up in our own division. Once all the dust settles from free agency and we start talking about the draft, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your AFC's Roundup. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.